The world's kind of problems, I guess, to kind of uh, average fellas having a bit of a bit of a swing at some of the biggest things that we actually see happening in our world. So I've been thinking, the one thing that's been frustrating me the most, and I can see a solution to, is lack of agency in young people and climate. We've sat through fires, floods, yada yada yada, going through, and uh, ever since having children, starting to understand the climate dynamic, I've, I've started to piece together a puzzle and. We sat down not long ago with some family friends and they sat down and spoke about how different adults speak to their kids around climate and what they put on top of them. And it's like, you know, is the world going to end? And then something pieced together, it was this weekend, another friend has just found out that they're going to be pregnant and one of their parents said, oh, you're believers in the future then. And I was like, oh, that really says something about now, about the time that we're in now that people are saying if, if you're having kids and you believe in the future, is a presumption that there's a lot of people who aren't believing in a future, which struck me as huge. And if how kids are going to handle that growing up, like, and when do we inherit a future? We always say that kids are inheriting the future. So when do you actually get that inheritance? Like, what does that actually look like? And at the moment, it feels like we're robbing kids of that agency to inherit it because we're saying it's ending or it's dying or something's happening. So how do we give agency back to kids to feel like they have ownership of that narrative and that change and maybe flip it over a little bit? So what does that look like and how can we sort of fix that? And through sort of that musing and, and testing out, I feel like there's positive ways or clever ways to talk about climate to young kids at different levels and how to do that and how to bring that in and how to start working around that space so kids feel like they can actually start having a stake in the pie versus just watching it crumble beneath them. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I, th I think giving kids back agency around their their future, um, I would I would start to strongly argue. I think that's already started to happen because I think we're actually acknowledging that there's a there's a problem. So if you break apart what you're what you're saying there, I think there's a few bits in it. One is that what are they inheriting is um, you know is certainly a worse scenario than the one perhaps we we inherited. I think it's it's fair to say. Mm. The check's been in the mail for 50 plus years and it's going to come due in the generation that's about to that's about to kind of I guess start to have agency agency in the world and when do they start to actually take control of that? I think one of the biggest problems in our in our world and one of the biggest opportunities is that that's actually getting later and later. I mean if you look to the US, um, both presidential candidates are um, you know pushing pushing 80. Joe Biden looks like he needs a bloody uh, uh, I don't know, a scooter to, to get around and uh, Donald Trump looks like he needs a few more shots of Olympiads or, or whatever it is, the weight loss drug to kind of keep him, keep him ticking over as well. But that never used to happen, right? So it used to be that power dynamics allowed people to start to take over in at least their, their 50s and 60s in terms of that generation coming through. But we're not seeing that. We're actually seeing this delay and kind of, um, I guess, baby boomers in that generation still actually um, holding on to power. And then we have kind of generations ahead over, I guess, the parents of these, of these kids. It does feel like perhaps we're caught a bit in the middle about not necessarily being able to to take a bit more power and therefore actually create more agencies so that our kids actually have more more agency. But I think our kids have an opportunity in that at least they're starting from a basis that there is a problem. Whereas I think a lot of what um, has been thought through historically is 
often about um, is this real is this not real are we doing it aren't we aren't we doing it yeah so this is us through seeing first time around the sun for 2024 and we had a little off him um, chat around different ways we want to spice things up and that was one of an amateur minute hold us to account if that was a minute or not oh nowhere near yeah. a minute <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely something I've thought about over over the year over the break and what that actually looks like and yeah to keep going down that rabbit hole is I feel like you're right there is that there is the understanding that the check's being mailed but there is there's still this like talking down they're not part of the table no there's no actual and a lot of the narratives that are out there at the moment is that it is ending or that it is impending mm -hmm. doom and then the stats are there for young kids around their anxiety levels around the end of the world and that's where I'm saying robbing agency because it's yeah. like they don't feel like they have the power to change anything so it's sort of beating the living crap out of them before they even have a chance to squirm yeah, yeah. that's what the numbers are sort of showing and it's like how do we actually combat that hmm. and get people in and around it and feeling like they can do something and then giving that voice where they can see voice goes to change and action can actually get a result yeah, and I think a lot of that is is really the point of time that we're that we're at is that it's you know that that may be that may be true and you know my my suspicion is it is is it is is that kind of kids feel perhaps less um, empowered to take on the kind of the the generation ahead and it's I find it's it's kind of the targets are becoming less and less clear and what I what I mean by that is that it's it's less opaque around actually who you're taking taking on mm. um, and we kind of live in these um, which we've spoken about many times these these bubbles that just reinforce what you what you believe so you don't necessarily get the the other opinion coming coming across across the table but I think there's a few things um, for I guess the kind of you know the, the generation that will take power in kind of the next well in theory take power in the next 20 or 20 or 30 years is that what is clear is a few things is that we're actually hitting peak human so our population and our reproduction rates all across the globe are, are declining so as economic standards have lifted therefore there are actually less kids being being born so I think that's one thing mm -hmm. um, to, to kind of understand but then also the the kind of the mitigation and the kind of the I guess the economic opportunity that is going to be present for this generation I mean it sounds very perverse but actually coming in to fix the problem that they're inheriting there's going to be significant incentive to to do that so the kind of the jobs of the future as well around kind of actually restoration kind of environmental integrity um, kind of climate mitigation all of these types of things are going to be jobs that in theory our kids will be walking into that are actually being created as we as we sit here recording this yeah that's if there's if you believe some side of the narrative if there is a world to exist in correct post that and it's pretty phenomenal some of that chatter around like whether human is even to be in this world some people are starting to lean so heavy on one side that they they think it's it's the human annihilation annihilation is actually the answer like it's a wild scene it is when you look yeah. under the hood of where this fear is landing us and we've been through this before with uh, pressing mm -hmm. the red button yeah. back in when it was Cold War in the heat of the Cold War, but this is a lot different. And then smoke and mirrors that come with changing um, from 
from sort of fossil fuel to renewable and where we are and what like SEG means and like all of this where it feels like you're making doing something but are you actually yeah are you actually creating a bigger bigger problem etc but I mean where where are you at with that because like I feel that like that narrative is almost like it always pops up in some form and it's it's often it's a disempowerment narrative right it's like why bother recycling when the world's going to shit so just throw your mcdonald's wrappers out the window it doesn't it doesn't matter whereas actually it does matter um you know in terms of the choices that you actually make and over time these things do do actually add up but do you think that's like that's a real real thing like that we're going to see you know like the risk is the end of humanity as we as we know it i mean that's a pretty big call it's a huge call and i'm just you know me well that i'm naturally optimistic so i don't think that's going to happen i feel like we've always been scared of the clouds falling on our heads like from the dawn of time and i think that will continue throughout but um, that's why I think this challenge is quite unique around how to give kids agency because I think it's that voice because we're always saying inheriting the future and that was that friction point. I'm like, well, when do you actually inherit it? And when does it become like, that's an easy phrase to say. Yeah. And then it's like, well, where does that actually ever happen in time? And what does that actually look like? It's true. And it does feel like it's coming with a massive inheritance tax or, you know, your parents have left you with like a mortgage on the, on the family home to, and then, to pay off. And then on the other side, when you look at it, economics has never been like a bigger talking point in the developed world around inheritance around people who will have and will who have not and that's like transfer of wealth and what that looks like but this is more um environmental problems and issues that are there and what does that actually look like is going to be an interesting one when it comes there but yeah answering your question um i don't think the world's going to end but i feel like it how do we give people that sense that you can change and how can you how can you create a space where people feel empowered to try and do little things versus I feel like the worry is if we hammer home this narrative in a certain way, the kids will just throw out that Macus wrapper and be like, yes, there's n- what hope do I have yeah. to change? Correct. And that's just heading us down a path of probably non-existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess it like, I mean, my other build, build on that or my other kind of challenge to it is that I'm not even sure it's the right question. Right. Because I think, you know, the environmental kind of degradation, I think, is is something that you could you could argue. I'm not saying you should, but you could argue that we're kind of almost at the peak of that in terms of where that can actually actually head before it actually starts starts to improve and get better. The question is, is kind of have we done so much that it's actually never going to actually come back the way that it was, which is quite likely. But the other part that I think is inherent in in that um, narrative is something that you touched on just there is that disproportionately climate is going to affect certain people way more than others yeah. so that already is that yeah that's what's phenomenal yeah. it's yeah. like inheriting a future but people already living the future but some people aren't yeah and if like that it makes sense like we're referencing yeah it's for sure like if yeah. you think about it like you know i think it's 30 percent of the world's population um is relies on rainwater mm. right as their sole source source of fresh water um and obviously the rain patterns are are starting starting to change which you know is all in the modeling around what happens with climate it's not that we get less water it's just that it comes we have to get more water um yeah. it's just that it actually comes in uh in more kind of i guess peak peak events which we've seen here in australia and across summer yeah melbourne 40 what was it 40 mil in an hour in an hour and across certain suburbs and other suburbs felt got nothing yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I live what um, fifty minutes outside of the city. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, dry, sleep, dry, sleep soundly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why others had yeah the foundations rattled, and that's like a euphemism for what's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. So you bang on there with how people are feeling. But do you feel like we're heading to non-existence? I'm sensing from you that you feel like we've hit a peak, and now it's starting to to come back down. Yeah, into... I have a different worry. Like I, I have a different worry around what kind of that that existence looks like. Yeah. I think the the environmental piece is um, really a lot of the. Um, the economic factors are already put in place to start to tip our energy usage in a, in a different in a different direction which i think you know if you really kind of think about where that starts to head over time is that there is an efficiency piece and markets always go towards efficiency so i'm not saying markets fix everything i'm not a capitalist in that in that sense but what i am saying is that markets tend to find the most efficient way over time for something to be delivered and is um, a petrochemical world as efficient as a kind of renewable energy world? No. So therefore, over time, what I believe will happen is that our energy, um, I guess, usage will will pivot. And you already start to see that happening as part of, part of our energy mix. So in theory, that leaves us in a position where we've kind of created the damage and then it's like, it's so what? But in the damage, what I don't find we're kind of really attuned to is that, you know, like, you know, the US, for example, is an interesting thing to think about, or Europe, like so many people are trying to get into those countries because not just because of economic circumstance, but actually environmental circumstance. And that environmental security, which yeah. is like a, a whole new security, which Australia's come out and said that's our biggest national security risk. Yes. Is environmental disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And not climate, just here, right? All the climate. And so not just here, right? I mean if it's you know, if you um no, about other people coming in. Yeah, like Pacific, the Pacific Islands yeah. or Indonesia, for example, facing an existential threat. Then obviously, you know, that's um, three hundred million plus people on our on our doorstep who might not have have a home. And these are the types of things I think that we are absolutely not not prepared for. And that that I do think is something that is a very unfortunate circumstance that we are leaving our children as a legacy as those types of decisions that they will have to make in their lifetime around who's in and who's out on um, on Noah's Ark, so to speak. Yeah, and it's brutal who's caused the flood there is it all points at certain countries that are still afloat. Yes, correct. Who have been fortunate enough to get ahead of the curb and yep. um, dive into Earth's crust and burn <laughs> yeah. up some carbon and it's exactly. melt in this big melting pot, which is really why we're, we're here doing amateur hour because we've both identified that we love touching on big topics but we might not have the expertise to to know fully but we're just in the times that we are it's hard to to fully dial in on that but I think honest conversations are, are something that have value in a space that is is pretty dominated by clicks and small media and we've managed to garner a, a small little following who seem to like listening to us parrot on so we thought We'd get rid of the weather chat this year, hold us account around how the weather is per se, per day when we have the recording. We might talk about climate, we might talk about economics, but it sort of gives us the license to um, to paint pretty broadly with the understanding that it is, as the two fellows have, 
having a go and trying to make sense of the melting pot around them and that's sort of where we've landed for this one and, and what better place to start off than <laughs> the climate yep. environment where we are and, and sort of the narratives that fit into that and where people are sitting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, I mean, part of part of this conversation, I think in in what you're talking about is like the, the future legacy that we're leaving kids in, mm. in this space is like, do you think that... That's how we introduce, yeah, sorry. No, but yeah, but do you think, like, do you think that kind of... Um, the the piece of this pat that's also in it is it's part of the swing to kind of the far right as well in in some ways or this move in western civilizations or democracies um to be more accurate to be more right and what what i mean by that is that part of what i believe is wrapped up in things like trumpism or kind of what you see going on in germany what you see in italy is this this sense that things have have changed without an acceptance that you've actually been part of what's caused that and a, and a bigger understanding. It's very almost um, infantile, the, the response in terms of kind of that it's going, okay, well, yeah, things used to be, used to be better. Whereas that may or may not be true. Um, for some people, it definitely is true. But it's actually, it's, it's all wrapped up in a much bigger picture really is that in environment is actually in kind of you know economic circumstance is in a weird way actually causing a lot of these kind of these issues in kind of the countries that have you know probably the most natural gifts um, have the kind of the the most resilience so to speak to actually withstand the the change that we're starting to live through mm. you, you sort of seem like you're talking on that psychology piece where it, it's an echo through generations back in my day and back in my day people holding on to a lot stronger here because maybe the tides of change are a lot a lot faster and people haven't actually feel like they haven't signed up to it or they're scared but I think we're also and we always come around this is the way that messages are disseminated received cross-received is a circus and that's part of that part of the headline for you, the melting pot. It's like, where's the information coming from? How is it coming? And, and sort of where does that leave us all in terms of what we're receiving? And that, that I think, on top of what you're saying is, is so true. And then different agendas and how they can skew messaging to different people off different data points is we've never lived through that. So we've never, we're not used to receiving that sort of messaging. So if you've got a skew to say, holding on to the old day, it's quite easy to, to, Put an agenda forward and then how do you attach that to that person um, and play on that old world mm. and make it feel like someone's taking something away that's rightfully yours. Yeah, yeah. And like that that's the, I mean, that in my mind is the heart of like things like Trumpism, right? Which yeah. is that it's um, America is better. Um, so therefore it should just stand by itself and just be, just be left alone. We're, we're better off, right? Yeah. We're better off just being, just being alone in, in the world. And so much of that, of course, goes back to the natural gifts of, of North America, plus the circumstances of it. I mean, it's a massive continent surrounded by water broadly, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's got everything it could ever possibly need to, to sustain itself. But then that's, that's the gift to Americans, but then Americans do seem to be dealing with this kind of this cultural um, challenge around what does that actually mean in a world where there are significant challenges, challenges everywhere. You know, you look at the upheaval that we've seen in in our in our lifetime around, you know, the I guess globalization, um, digitization. Now we're seeing kind of um, 
economic and environmental kind of factors basically become much more intertwined mm -hmm. around things like energy security, um, population aging, all of these types of things is that it's it is a bit of a moment of crisis, but yet we seem to be getting back to your point. These very simple messages is like, oh no, we just have to ignore all of that. Yeah. Let's just make things better. Let's just make things great again. Let's just um, and it's so stand by ourselves. And it's such a simple one. And I feel like that's where we are with recycling at the moment. It's yeah. so similar. Yeah. And I was at the tip yesterday because I live in an area where you have to take your rubbish to the tip. We don't have people come through and pick it up, which has been an interesting process for the last three, four months. He's going to the tip every month. So we have to do recycling have to do rubbish and like cardboard plastics here and there and everywhere and then getting to chat and then also Victoria's put in the new 10 cents per dollar 10, 10 cents, cents per can. bottle yeah. um, or canister yeah. um, and chatting to the people there who, who you know go through all our private rubbish which is fascinating I always find that insight getting from the garbos what you actually how people deal with their stuff and their perspective was a, this is a long thread, but no. it's a thread and it's around saying everyone feels good that they're recycling or doing this or Victorian government is now giving you X amount of dollars, but they're like, we have no idea. They're like, I don't know where that's going. No. They just think it's going like we used to have a scheme where it was just stockpiling in, in Melbourne and then we actually shipped it off to China for a while and it got burnt, but we set up policy where it was okay. So what it did was make people feel like they were doing the right thing whereas nothing would really change. There was no incentive at a policy level in, in economics to make it actually advantageous to recycle. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's happening in politics. A little bit when we talk about a make, a make America Great, it's like just a simple messaging makes all the problems go away when those problems are just flaring up, flaring up, flaring up. And it's sort of, for the Make America Great Again uh, message, it sort of creates an island in a shitstorm and makes it even stronger because that shitstorm gets bigger and bigger, but that island gets maybe more uh, unified as that storm burns around it. That's my thoughts on mm. that. So it's, a, it's challenging, like how do you do that? But I think the answer is actually addressing some of those problems first <laughs> versus creating yeah. something and not actually doing anything about it when you scratch beneath the surface. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's, you know, the, the part about kind of, you know, it's it's really so much of this comes down to kind of like honest conversations around things right and understanding that you know there's there are certain things that can't be recycled right so if you make you know and take an aluminum can or aluminium um, mm. to use uh, um, <laughs> correct way of saying it um, if you if you kind of take that and un unpack it is that what's used in a coca-cola can can't just be turned into what's then used in an airplane mm. right so there's actually there's a strength of it's material great. in terms of kind of how it degrades over time and what it can actually be be used for but again it's the there's nuance in these things that um you know it's part of this comes back i guess to what we've talked about before around the death of the belief in expertise and i think that's one of the biggest threats to kind of how our world is constructed is that the kind of the experts can't they can't be right and they can't be human and that's what I find has really really shifted and that's a really it's a probably a really strong political insight is that if you take on the expert class who disproportionately tend to be doing well economically um, but have human fallibles then you tend to be able to actually kind of build more of a populist kind of movement move it behind it and 
it's been forever thus you can go all the way back through the history of mankind all the way back to kind of you know the the death of rome through to kind of you know the i guess the you know even back through kind of the the renaissance or the enlightenment all of these things where they always have that um duality into them which is that the the knowledge set that was believed in is taken taken on and a new knowledge set is actually actually presented and that's what we're living through i think live at the at the moment but the tools that are at um people's disposal to to do that have never been more powerful yeah we're really on the cusp of that i suppose that synergy of maybe that new way of knowing or that new way of understanding with the tools that are coming and the tools that are here it's like yeah everyone has the ability to be the supposed expert but breaking down sort of different uh, different knowledge systems and different ways of disseminating that disseminating that knowledge is yeah it's a fascinating time and you're right throughout history we have been doing that so we're in a we're in a time that's for sure um, and yeah it's a it's a fascinating one to be part of I suppose where do we take this next is is do we look at what what walls are being knocked down or take the climate and try and go head on and see if we get greater on board but um I don't think that's the answer. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's uh, you know, that's like that's the other the other part of our time, and you know, it's just kind of to to wrap up on on that is that it's kind of it's it's it all comes back down to kind of polarization and this kind of this disappearing, kind of like middle consensus, right? Is that because um, Greta Thunberg, as great as she is in terms of kind of how brave she's been about putting out a message and stuff, like she is way too far left yeah. to be able to actually ever create create change. And equally, if you talk to I don't know some oil slash coal enthusiast on on the other side who's telling you there's absolutely nothing nothing wrong, they're way too far right. But in in the middle of all of that and just trying to kind of um, transition an energy mix in in climate or kind of find a way to kind of have a coherent policy around migration and these types of things it be, it's becoming it feels like anyway um harder and harder to create middle right because that middle the sec it's almost like it's just attacked instantly and and pulled and pulled apart but the the ultimate place that leaves us is not really able to do very much unless you do kind of huge things uh, across the top, which kind of present their present their own problems. So, you know, like it's it's interesting that kind of um, the way that some of these things get framed. You know, uh, like China, for example, is way ahead on electrification, um, but yet the world around it needs to kind of catch up. But the only way that we're seem to be able to message that is about fear of China taking over the world. And that's, again, probably maybe not the healthiest way for us to think about it. Yes, yeah, so it's really around that messaging and there's no middle ground. It's a world of extremes. Mm. And that's where we are. I feel like the middle still exists, but it speaks to extremes. And people may, I hope so, getting used to taking some cream off the top of that extreme and maybe just guarding it as rancid and, and trying to find some middle on that. Because that feels like where we are. You've hit the nail on the head. And that, yeah. <laughs> How do we how do we get to that place when models around uh, attention are just so based on on extreme mm -hmm. shouting matches? Like yeah, that? yeah, and I mean maybe where we can go next with the kind of the the conversation in this sort of stuff is that it does play into what I think we have is like these like everything is becoming like peaks and like so it's like there's no there's no middle theory in life anymore is that there's like um, 
even if you look at, for example, like, there's a very simple analogy, but like, so snow falls, right? So snow falls in, in North America. I grew up loving snowboarding, etc. They're now, what they're doing is that the snow falls, but not like it used to. It doesn't fall consistently across the thing. There's like, there's not just dumps, but they're like, they're dump dumps and then there's nothing, right? And so this world of extremes is becoming kind of also our, our natural, our natural environment as well. Yeah, that's fascinating, mirroring sort of, Mm. Yeah, that symbiotic way that we process the world through extremes versus weather events being extremes. Yeah, getting... the end of the Holocene and the end of the you know the the man-made kind of era. It feels like that's kind of where we're at. We're heading into the Anthropocene where everything's reflection and <laughs> just a bunch of peacocks <laughs> walking around this valley. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, good image in the head. We've got. Extreme, and if you flip it up the other way, it's the same peaks, peaks and troughs. Depending on, flip it up, the the troughs become peaks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, Joey. Thanks, Pat. Right. Great way to start the year.